0: So let's get started. We're here in our eighth week in our study in the book of Ephesians. We're eight weeks into this. I don't know about you. I'm personally enjoying it, growing deep in the Lord as we're leaning into Paul and his words to this church in Ephesus. We got three more weeks left to go. Uh, I'll be preaching, a, a bringing a word next week. The following week is Father's Day. Pastor Ian will be bringing a word on relationships, and Pastor Ben's going to close our series in Ephesians talking about the armor of God. Selenium, we got three more weeks as we close this book of Ephesians. I want to quickly recap our series and bring us up to where we're at. First chapter, we talked about Paul was telling you and I how we are his special possession. And we talked about that. I, I have to refresh your memory because this is eight weeks ago, okay? he say that we are adopted, we're chosen, we're redeemed. We're marked by God. And the following week, I preached about how God has called you and I. So you and I are his special possession, redeemed, adopted, called, chosen by God. Then he switches and we kind of preach talking through things like quack like a duck and the mystery of God. And we talked about how you and I now have this special position in Christ, a special position in Christ. We talked about how we are no longer without Christ. We're no longer without hope. No longer strangers, no longer aliens. We now have this hope in Christ. And then we kind of wrapping up these big thoughts throughout this book. Paul really trying to unify and tie together both Jew and Gentile. He says we are now one nation, one family. I say this every week that, uh, as you guys know, if you're part of the family of God, not a perfect family. We got our mess-ups and our mistakes As every family does, but what better family to be a part of than the family of God? It says we're one nation, we're one family, but we're also one temple. And that whole idea that Paul's talking about is that the temple now resides in you and I. We are the temple of God, not just a building. The presence of God just doesn't dwell in this building. He dwells with you in your home if you've named the name of Christ. So Paul's going to switch gears on us, and he begins to instruct us as Christians on how to live. Last week, Pastor Darren brought a great message on kingdom living. He talked about how I am a Christian and what that means and what that looks like. And Paul's going to further unpack in this chapter where I pick up where Pastor Darren left off last week on further talking about kingdom living and what is God calling us to do and what is Paul instructing them to do. Back in our third week of our series, I preached a message, Graveyard to Greatness graveyard to greatness and when I began to unpack there that I'm going to pick up back from that message where I ended so I need to kind of remind you that you and I were once in the graveyard of our sin but thanks be to God he sent the savior that rescued us from this graveyard and put us on this path towards greatness and I closed that message talking about Taking off our grave clothes and putting on grace clothes, and I ended that message with that. But I really want to take time in this message to unpack what that looks like. So the title of my message this week is "Remove the Grave Clothes." Remove the grave clothes. If you by yourself, well then talk to yourself. If you got somebody in the room, turn to them now. If you're at your kitchen table and tell them it's time to remove. The grave clothes. The grave clothes, okay, not your clothes that you got on right now. The grave clothes that they got on. And we're going to kind of talk through and unpack what that means, the grave clothes. So what does that mean back then, grave clothes? It was the cloth in which the dead body was wrapped with in preparation for the burial into the tomb. I want you to listen to this story. Jesus and his disciples, as they were coming to Bethany, were met by these sisters, Mary Mary. And Martha, their brother Lazarus has been dead for four days now, and these two have been weeping, and Jesus comes into contact with them, and and as they're weeping, uh, if you know the story, this is what Jesus' words to Lazarus, as he goes to the tomb, that graveyard, and that tomb where Lazarus is in, Jesus says, come out, come out. But I think what's interesting is, is you read on. It's found in John chapter eleven. Read to verse forty-four. I, I want you to really listen in and catch this part, which is really my focus of what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do with you and I in this service today. Let's do what Jesus says. After he says, Lazarus, come out. Calls him by name. He says, Unbind him and let him go. Unbind him. And Let him go. What was Jesus talking about? He was covered with grave cloths on him and they had to remove this grave clothes. He was once dead now alive, but still covered in wrap in grave clothes. Jesus says unbind him and let him go. I truly believe as I was preparing this message that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, there's someone here today. You were once dead but now made alive to Christ, but you still got some grave clothes on you that the Holy Spirit is wanting to remove, untie, unbound so that you can live free in Christ. This is what Paul was talking about. So I hope you're ready to remove the grave clothes off of you. So what's the first grave clothes that we need to remove? The first one is our old thinking. Remove our old Thinking. Let's pick up Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. Now this I say, testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. This is Paul instructing the church in Ephesus. They are darkened in their understanding and alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become calloused. They have given themselves up to sensuality. They become greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming you have heard about him and you were taught in him, as this truth is in Jesus, here's part of the verse we want to key in, verse 22, put off your old self. Somebody say, put off the old self. Which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Our old self is corrupt. We have this human nature. I talked about that in one of these series that we did. That we have this corrupt human nature. But we got to put off that old self. And here he is, verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit in our minds. And that we were to put on the new self. So we take off something, but we got to put on something created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. These Gentiles, these people that Paul are addressing there to say that you once, before you became a Christian, you were futile in your mind, in your thinking. Your understanding was darkened. What, What was Paul talking about? He said they had worthless thoughts before they were a Christian. They had become hard and calloused. In their hearts and their minds. you know when I was reading this, I thought about even my own life and my own walk, and that man, there's been times in my own walk and life where, man, I had a cold and hard heart towards God, going through pain and difficulty. I became calloused. And I pray if that's you here today, that you wouldn't grow a cold, hard and callous, but you would allow the Holy Spirit to work in and through your life. It's time to remove the grave clothes of our old thinking. So what can we do to remove the old thinking? I'm going to give you five things that you can remove the old thinking. Number one, A is digesting God's word. As you guys know, I love to eat, right? And I probably bring this up almost every message, but God is teaching me eating is not bad. It's eating the right things that are good for you. Learning to digest God's word. Why God's word? So that when sinful thoughts come into our head, we can discern what is good and what's the acceptable path to take. You know, oftentimes I'll I'll say this to even our youth, our children's ministry, talking to leaders with young people. I would often tell them the importance of why we need to get the word of God into kids' hearts and minds early memorizing, studying it, and it's because the Holy Spirit can't call to mind what hasn't been deposited there. Why are you reading and studying God's word? Why are we, uh, we read through the New Testament last year. We're reading through the Old Testament in the Bible project this year. We're journaling, soaping. What are we doing? We're digesting the word of God, memorizing the word of God so that the Holy Spirit can recall to mind the things that have been deposited there. Second thing we can do to remove old thinking is to depend on the Holy Spirit. Depend on the Holy Spirit. I hope you got notes and a pen or you're on the app. Take some notes to follow along. God provides us with the indwelling power of the Spirit. My question is why? I always ask, you ask my wife this. I am always asking questions probably even when i shouldn't be asking questions i'm like why i want to know why and how come and what's the reason for that i'm always asking questions I'm like so why is uh, god indwelling us and filling us with the power of the holy spirit and in truth to change and take off the old thinking and put on this new thinking man you and i can't do it in our own strength but we need his power the greek word that dunamis where we get dynamite we need that dunamis power working within us To put on this new thinking that we can think like Christ thinks. It's termite season. Watch out. These termites flying around. (laughs) All right. Moving on. Number three. We digest the word. We depend on the Holy Spirit. But the third one is we got to feed your minds. Feed your minds. I'm using... uh, these pictures are imageries of food, okay? So feed your minds. Verse 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind." So what do you feed your minds with? Not with things that promote sinful thoughts, but feeding it things to promote godly thoughts. You know, oftentimes people who struggle with temptation, I, I love counseling and sitting with people, and people struggle with temptations and dealing with things, and I say, what are you feeding? What are you listening to? What's the music you're listening to? What shows are you watching? Who are you hanging around? What things are you digesting in you? Because what you're putting in you eventually will start to come out of you. So you got to feed your mind the right things. We can have our hearts be changed, but our minds must be transformed. We talk a lot in the church about our hearts change my heart we sing song change my heart oh god make it ever new you know oftentimes we don't sing a whole lot about our minds but you know what we can have a changed heart but if our mind hasn't been transformed i don't have time to fully unpack romans 12 2 i encourage you to go and read it it talks about transformation we need to be transformed in the renewing of our minds You know, Israel was slaves in Egypt about 430 years, one commentary says. Get that, 430 years. Moses answers the call of God, goes to free them from Pharaoh, and the Israelites are now free from Pharaoh's rule in the wilderness, running away. Here's the interesting part. Here they are in the wilderness, right, for 40 years, they're there wandering in the wilderness. They are slaves who've come out of prison, but yet they are still can't take the prison out of the slave. They're there 40 years wandering as free people, yet they were once slaves, but still mentally in their mind they hadn't been renewed and transformed. They still saw themselves as prisoners. In fact, so much so that they said, it's better that we go back back and be slaves i mean this is how you and i need to be changed and transformed because it's not just outwardly or just in our hearts but man how we see ourselves so a man thinks so is he we need to be changed and transformed by the renewing of our minds i read romans 12 2 i encourage you to go through and read it don't be conformed to this world but be transformed if we aren't feeding our minds and changing our minds with new thinking, we will never know the will of God. Oftentimes I hear people say, what's the will of God, Pastor, for my life? And if you read Romans 12, 2, and i unpacked, I encourage you to read it throughout this week. And it, it says, if we ha- don't renew our minds, we'll never know the will of God. What's true what's acceptable what's good what's perfect you'll never know the plan of god for your life if you don't renew your mind with new thoughts it's time to i I hope right now take your i want you to imagine we're gonna take some grave clothes okay grab your mind i know you can't but like like grab it and go like this i'm gonna throw some grave clothes off of my mind we gotta get that old stinking thinking out of there and replace it with good things Some of us have been wearing some old clothes in our thoughts that are for far too long. And it's time to take it off and put new thoughts in our mind. You know what? We have to change it. We have to change our thoughts. Some of us, our minds go back to the pain that was caused by someone, so we never trust again. And in our thoughts, it's forever etched and burned in our memories not to trust someone again. And for some of you, you need to take that grave clothes and say, God, would you help me and heal me? May I be able to trust and love again? You got to release those grave clothes some of you maybe it's taking off prejudices and mindset that doesn't belong maybe you grew up a certain way you were taught certain things passed down from your family and the culture around you are taught certain prejudices that if it comes in contact with the word of God as our filter and it doesn't line up we need to take that grave clothes of our old thinking and throw that thing off Maybe for some, it's ideas and beliefs of growing up and what was passed down. You know, whether you want to believe it or not, even growing up here in Hawaii, I grew up here all my life, we have our own prejudices that we hold. We have our own things that we hold to, and we, we have these prejudices about certain color skin and certain people, and you know what? In truth, if we're not careful and don't align ourselves to the word of God, we can hold these beliefs close to our heart that isn't biblical and isn't Christ-like. It's time we throw off that grave clothes of the old thinking. The last thing I want to talk about, the fifth thing is, what do you, you got to do? Is you got to fellowship with other christians how do you remove your old thinking you got a fellowship with other christians not just any christians i wrote here the ones that god intended those who are wholesome uplifting encouraging and challenging if you're not around people who can challenge you you don't have great friends i want friends not just who encourage me and build me up i want friends who can also call me out when i'm stepping out of line Because that's what good Christian fellowship does. We're willing to point out because of love, we point those things out. I, I want you to catch this thought. When Jesus tells Lazarus to come forth, he tells those around him to remove the grave clothes off of Lazarus. Catch this picture. I was like, oh, God, this is so powerful. Lord, you're so good. Okay, catch this picture now. Lazarus coming out of the grave. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He's alive, not dead, now alive in Christ. But the people there had to remove the grave clothes off of Lazarus. And this was the thought that I had in this. I said, this is why we need Christian fellowship and other believers around us because there are times we have grave clothes on us, in us, around us, and we can't even see the grave clothes hanging off of us. And we need other people who love us enough to say, man, I see that grave clothes hanging off of you. Man, I love you enough to say, how about we let that go? Can we talk about that? What is that pain, that thing that aggravates you that bring those memories and things up can we remove those grave clothes it was the people around lazarus who was removing the grave clothes off of him and i had this thought of why sometimes it's hard to even love those in your own family okay and no knock against my family because i'm sure it's hard for my family to love me okay so i'll just we'll just get that out there but I thought about this thought. Why is it so hard to at times love people who are closest to you in your own family? You know why? It's because they are the people who know you the best. They see all your grave clothes hanging out everywhere. The stuff that when you go out and you tuck in the grave clothes behind a nice aloha shirt and, and nobody can see the grave clothes, your family see all the stuff that hang out everywhere. And they call those things out, and you know what? God put them there to help you to remove some of those things. I thought about this. This is why at times marriage is so difficult. Ain't nobody know your stuff, your grave clothes, your dirty side that nobody sees like your spouse, right? And trust me, I got a whole bunch of grave clothes that my wife willingly and generously points out to me. I don't like it. Can I just tell you the truth? Right? My humanity, my natural self, I don't like it. She tells me oftentimes, hey, just recently she told me something. I'm like, you know what, I, I'm out. You know what, I, 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 before I say something and do something, I'm up, I'm out of here, right? And you think, well, wow, pastor, you think Listen, I'm a human being too. And she's like, oh, what is this? You acting like an eight-year-old now, huh? And I'm like, no, you don't, don't even talk to me. No talk to me, right? And I'm saying this and being vulnerable and real with you to say, man, I got my own grave clothes, I got stuff that's hanging off of me that I need people around me who love me enough to call me out. Man, I, I, I don't like being called out, but you know what? I need that. That's why we need to be around people. So I appreciate my wife. In the moment, I don't appreciate her, but later on, I'm like, I'm sorry. You were right. I was wrong. yes. Yes, that's right. And it goes both ways, right? Because the wife isn't always right too. So it's a give and take or two. All right, I'm going to move on. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir up one another. Okay, grab, is make like you're mixing one pot of food? How do you stir up one another? Not to, uh, growing up in Hawaii, I, I don't know about you and your family, but we was like provokers in our family. We knew how to poke and prod till they flip out. They lose it. They get upset and they be like, ha, 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 They're laughing. They like it when you do that. I grew up like that, right? But this isn't what Hebrews is talking about. Hebrews says to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why are we in connect groups throughout the week? Why are we uh, meeting, uh, we're going to start meeting on Sunday mornings, get ready, July 5th. We're going to open up to the public, 8, 10, and 12, our services, right? Why do we gather together? Why? Because we need to be in fellowship with one another so that we can stir up each other to love and to good works. First great grapefruit we need to remove is our old thinking. The second one is removing our old ways of speaking, Removing our old ways of speaking, Ephesians 4, 25 and 29. Therefore, put away falsehoods. Let each one of you speak the truth with its neighbor, for we are members one of another. Verse 29, let no corruption talk from, come from your mouths, but only such as good for building up as is fit for the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So how do we remove our old ways of speaking, remove our thinking? Now it's our speaking. A, we got to stop lying. Number one, stop lying. Verse 25, the ESV says to put away falsehoods. The NLT version, I love this, says stop telling lies. NASB says lay aside those lies. Get this, this phrase that is writing here, Paul, continues this metaphor of clothing, It's this idea or metaphor of clothing that we got to take off the things that we used to do. We used to lie before, so we take it off, but now we put on speaking truth in love. It's this idea that there's an element on our part that we have to remove things and put on something else. Each and every day, a believer needs to repeatedly make decisions to live a holy life. It's not just the... One time that you say, Lord, come into my heart and forgive me, that's the first step. But man, daily, as the pastor of this church, I find myself daily saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to continue not to go back to the way I used to be, Lord, but I would pursue you more and more and more. The Bible is clear that lying is a sin and it displeases God. In fact, the very first sin in the garden involved a lie. Colossians 3.9 says, do not lie to each other since you have Taken off your old self, don't lie to one another. So if there's anything I hey, hate more than anything, is when someone lies to you. Right? Like, tell me the truth. Whatever it is, I can deal with the truth. Just don't lie. And what is it? Because I think at the core of it and why God holds lying in such a high place is because at the core foundation is truth. And the truth isn't just some, a bunch of facts. Truth is a person. It's the person of Jesus. He is the way the truth and the life John 14:6 No one comes to the Father except through him. We got to remove the grave clothes of lying and put the truth on and said by speaking the truth in love. Truth may not be popular or even something that people want to hear. It makes people feel uncomfortable at times, but we must confront the truth and face the harsh realities. Change is difficult and painful. But we have to confront the truth. And truth in my own heart, as I watch what's going on all throughout the nation, as I watch what's happening in all these cities, my heart is so heavy as I watch all these riots and protests and all what's happening. And it's not just necessarily, yes, I see the, the things that are happening, yes, the things breaking and, and the death, right, and, uh, and all these things that are happening, yet inside my heart, I think what I do see is beyond all of it, I see the years, decades of pain, frustration, people who been disenfranchised and not listened to or feel like they don't have a voice. And, man, I see kind of as my counseling hat as I put on, I see, Man, this is what you're seeing on the outside is a reflection of what's been happening deep within them for years on the inside. Right now, all of us across our country, people are speaking up for the wrongful death of George Floyd. People are in pain. They're frustrated. They're angry, and they're filled with rage. I like this quote by Dr. Martin Luther King. He said this, riots are the language of the unheard. Riots are the language of the unheard. Why are there rioting and rage? And if you look down deeper, it's people who feel like they don't have a voice and aren't being heard, or maybe they are being heard, but things aren't happening, right? Change isn't being taken effect there. You know, in truth, I'm all for the peaceful protests and how thousands of people are marching. I, I'm not against the violence, yet deep down inside, I understand where it's coming from. From deep years of pain and deep years of hurt and things happening over and over. And I understand where they're coming, yet at the same time, right is right and wrong is wrong. Yet you do understand where this is coming from. It's hurt people. And I often make this phrase, I say, hurt people at times will hurt people it's years of pain i love dr king's quote also when during his civil rights movement he made this quote about speaking up with nonviolence speaking up with nonviolence he said this dr martin luther king nonviolence is a powerful and a just weapon which cuts get this it cuts without wounding and ennobles the man Who wields it? It's a sword that heals. There's anybody who understood the civil rights movement and made a difference. It was Dr. Martin Luther King, and what he's talking about here is this nonviolence as you're, it's not, I'm not against people speaking up, but he's talking about how this nonviolence, it's a sword that when you wield, it actually brings healing, not further damage, I'm praying and believing God. If there's ever a time that our nation needs people praying and believing God and stepping up and speaking up and for leaders to take charge and lead, it's now why? Because we really need a restoration in our nation. We need, and and true at the core of it, it's a coming back to the heart of God true lasting change and transformation devoid of christ will not last for long we need to come back to the heart of god if you ask me it's ripe for a move of god because right now people are in desperate need for reconciliation for restoration that can only come from christ only christ can reconcile the things that are wrong and make them right. Only Christ could bring healing with these swords of nonviolence, as Dr. King was talking about. Speaking the truth is difficult, but it needs to be done. What are the other things that we need to remove in our ways of speaking? We need to remove our corrupt talking. Verse 29 says, Let no corrupt talking come from your mouth this term literally was used as something that was rotten so get this it's this imagery paul is painting that it's either something was rotten or something that was made of crumbling stone so get this picture paul is literally saying those who are speaking with this corrupted corruptive talking are just like they're building walls that are like crumbling stone like trying to build a wall with sand and gravel it's like you're trying to build something that's all rotten. It will not stand and will not last for those who speak with corruptive talk. In context, they're talking about false teachers in that day whose lifestyle was corrupt. They were depraved. They were vicious, foul, and impure. And Paul is trying to instruct this church in Ephesus on how to build up one another. Instead of tearing, anybody can tear someone down. Anybody can find faults and pick apart things. It takes a a true man or woman of God with character and integrity to build up and lift up someone else. It takes a true man or woman of God. Let no corrupt speech come from our mouth. Jesus taught that speech reveals the heart. Speech reveals the heart mark 17 there is nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him but the things that come out of the person is what defiles him if i was to ask you a question the words that you speak are they words that build up a strong foundation something that people can find shelter in or are your words that you're speaking something that is what the phrase paul uses it's rotten rotten It's crumbling stone and nothing around it will stand. I encourage you to examine your own heart and life. It's time to throw off the grave clothes of ungodly and unproductive speech. Remove the old thinking, remove the ways of speaking. But lastly, Paul instructs removing our old ways of acting. Removing our old ways of acting. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 to 28, and 30 to 32. It says, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest and good work with their hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Get this thought that a thief steals for their own personal possession to benefit them yet a christian god calls to work hard and labor so you can give it away and bless other people it's this dichotomy it's it's things that are almost with kingdom living is totally different from our natural minds he's saying don't steal you work hard so that you can bless and that you can give to those who are in need verse 30 do not grieve the holy spirit of god with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, doing it all with malice. Put that away. Be kind to one another. tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Paul is instructing them that Jesus is coming back. He's instructing them. He says here, you were sealed for the day of redemption. You were sealed. You're marked. There's the stamp of approval on you and I. Those who named the name of Christ were adopted, redeemed, chosen by God, called by God, marked by God. And there's a seal on our lives. He says, get ready. There's going to come a time where Jesus is coming back. Paul is saying, therefore, because he's coming back, get rid of all these stuff. So as I'm going to wrap up, I'm going to give you five things that he says to get rid of and then three things that we're to put on. Get rid of these five things. Number one, bitterness. Get rid of bitterness. Turn to whoever you're sitting next to and says, get rid of bitterness. Get rid of bitterness. What is bitterness? Bitterness happens when someone does something we don't like, so we harbor ill will against them. Bitterness refers to a settled hostility which poisons the inner person. Bitterness can lead to wrath, which is an explosion on the outside of feelings that you feel on the inside. These riots are, in truth, years of pain and feelings that have exploded on the outside. This is why we need healing from the pains of our past. And if you've been here in church, you know my heart to say, God wants to deal and confront the pains of your past today. I say, Hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. God wants to heal us from the pains of our past. Why do we need to get rid of bitterness? Here it is. This here refers to a settled state of animosity with no chance of reconciliation. What is Paul talking about here? When he says bitterness, maybe some of you watching this can relate to this. It's not just bitterness. It's this settled state of animosity whereby you're saying, I don't even, even if they were to apologize, I don't even want no apology. I don't want no reconciliation. I don't want no restoration. This is what Paul is talking about. I want you to know if that's you watching here today, it's time to take off that grave clothes of how we think, how we talk, how we act. Let go of that bitterness because God wants to bring healing and restoration and reconciliation to your life if you allow the Holy Spirit in. Will you let him in? Let go of bitterness. Second thing is let go of anger. Anger is this emotional arousal caused by something that displeases us. In itself, anger is not a sin. Even God and Jesus got angry at times. If we do get angry and we sin, how many of you ever been there? You said, I've been angry and I did sin. I said things I shouldn't. I put holes in things that I shouldn't. I left burn rubber marks in places I shouldn't. I did stuff that I shouldn't, right? You're angry and you sin. Paul is addressing this here. He says, if you're angry and you sin, it's okay. Deal with it. Take care of it. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath immediately take care of things. There are times that Leisha and I oftentimes get into arguments and disagreements and things, and, and I'm angry, and she's angry. You know why? Because we're real. We're human beings. Last time I checked, I still got flesh in me, and I got blood, and I'm still a human being, okay? And we go through things, but you know what? At the end of the day, it's like, I'm sorry. I got to humble myself, or she does, and at the end of the day, we got to make things right. Why? Because don't let the anger go. If you've been in sin and you let anger go, Make right. Do whatever it takes to make right. I wrote here, anger, if not resolved or taken care of, can lead to bitterness. Bitterness left long enough and that resolve and animosity in your heart, if you're not careful, it can lead to rage. Anger, bitterness, rage, throw it off. The third thing is wrath and rage. What is Paul saying to throw off these acts? This refers to a fast-burning anger or a rage. How many of you, I mean, it don't even take a match to light you. It's just like little sparks, just a little friction, and it's like, whoo, boom. You're like, uh, what's that movie with all the emotions? Uh, Inside Out, that movie <laughs> Inside Out. You're the red guy who the button moves, and he's like, ah, flames coming out, right? Like, that, that, let me just say, it, you got issues, But you know what? It's okay. We got to work them out. You shouldn't go straight to rage. You maybe can get angry, but it should be a gradual process, right? But maybe there are things there that are unsettled that God wants to heal you from that makes you go from regular straight to rage, right? And God wants to heal you maybe of something. Both anger and rage are emotional outbursts. Rage is an extreme expression of anger. Rage can be considered to be an action in retaliation to the anger. All of these things that are happening, it's a reaction, a retaliation, anger, deep-seated bitterness for years that happened so long. And it's this rage and wrath that's coming out, yet it's being expressed in unhealthy ways. It's time to throw off. I want you to shout, whoever you're with, throw off the grave clothes. Throw it off. Throw it off of your mind, your thinking, the way you talk, the way you act. Last thing is clamor. You know, I don't even have time to unpack this. i got to wrap this up. So catch the notes, you'll get it in there. you got to throw off clamor. Paul then instructs after uh, getting rid of these grave clothes and these vices, he says to put on three things. These three things, he says, put on. Throw off those things, put on these three. Number one, kindness. I want to encourage you to put on the garment of kindness. There's something powerful that happens when we can be kind to one another, expressing our true humanity and seeing people for where they are and the struggle that they're in. We need to be kind to one another. Mother Teresa said this be the living expression of God's kindness. How? Kindness in your face, kindness in your eyes. And kindness in your smile. You know, oftentimes after I get done preaching, sometimes, you know, we go through the service and they say, you know, Pastor Dion, I don't know, you look like you was angry when you was preaching. You look like you was just giving and you was angry. If, if that's what you think, I, I pray that you would come. Don't run away. Get to know my heart. Like, I'm passionate because I know God has more for you and I. I hope he doesn't come across as anger, but it's my just passion and fervor for the Lord. So if my facial expression doesn't express God's kindness... Forgive me, okay? He, Mother Teresa says, be kind in your face, in your smile, in your eyes. I love what Mark Twain said about kindness. He said, kindness is the language which the deaf can hear and the blind can see. Woo! Kindness is the language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. I pray that this week you would find someone to be kind to. Someone to love. The second clothing that he says to put put on is being tender-hearted, could also be translated as the word compassionate. Kindness must be expressed outwardly. However, being tender-hearted is an inward disposition of your being. It's an inner emotion of affection. Being tender-hearted is different from being kind. Someone can do a kind gesture on the inside, yet. Uh, on the outside, yet inside in their own heart. They're not tender hearted. They're like, here, here you go, cup of water. I hope you choke on it, right? Whatever. You know, you act like on the outside is kind, but it's not coming from a place of true kindness and this tender hearted or this compassionate. God's not just concerned what you do on the outside and the acts you do for people. He's concerned at the heart. Are you truly tender hearted where you mean what you say and you say what you mean, Right? being tender-hearted it's one thing that we do it not just on the outside but on the inside we have a have a soft heart and thick skin soft heart thick skin if we're not careful in our culture today we got soft skin and thick hearts you say one thing to me it hurts me oh i don't want to talk to you already and my heart is all hard no back people back generations ago thick skin you could say whatever they want but yet on the inside they never lost that tender heartedness towards humanity and people the third thing Paul says to put on is to forgive one another this is the garment above all garments to put on he says put on this this garment of forgiveness the word forgiveness means to give graciously or to freely give give graciously or to freely give for those who've been forgiven much should forgive much. And about you, I know what God has done for me in my life. And I've been forgiven of so many things that with the grace that has been extended to my life, I have much grace that I need to give out to others. Why? Because God's extended that grace and forgiveness to me. I pray that this week you'd be tender-hearted, kind, forgiving. Don't hold on to that poison, that bitterness that you've been hanging on to. Throw those grave clothes off and put on that new garments on you. Forgiveness, kind-hearted, compassionate to one another. It's time to remove the grave clothes, the old thinking, throw it off, the old speaking, throw it off, the way we are acting, I pray we throw those off and that we would put on this new Christian living to what God has called us to.